Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Obituary early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. If you remember how powerful it felt to snap a hot pink razor flip phone shut after getting off the phone, you're a millennial. And if you're a millennial, it's time to add Clarins Multi-Active Cream to your daily routine. Rooted in nature and innovated with science, Clarins has a long legacy of creating industry-first, plant-forward products. Using a skin charger complex made of 2% niacinamide and C. holly bioextract, Clarins Multi-Active Cream has been clinically proven to target the first visible signs of aging by smoothing lines and wrinkles, refining pores, evening tone and texture, and strengthening the skin's moisture barrier. While multi-active creams can't bring back the golden age of boy bands, it can distress your skin. Clarins Multi-Active Cream is available online now. Go to clarins.com slash truecrime and get multi-active day and night cream for 10% off. A free welcome gift plus free shipping on your first order. That's C-L-A-R-I-N-S dot com slash truecrime with promo code truecrime. Clarins.com slash truecrime with promo code truecrime. This episode is brought to you in part by June's Journey. Picture it. The glamour of the roaring 20s, wrapped in a mystery that only you can solve. Dive into June Parker's captivating quest to uncover scandalous family secrets. With your keen eye for detail, find hidden clues and solve mind-boggling puzzles. It's all about observation, intrigue, and drama. But beware, each clue leads deeper into a thrilling storyline filled with danger and romance. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Your adventure awaits. On this show, we cover some sensitive topics. Though the obituaries may be outlandish, the people are real. Names have been changed or omitted in order to respect both the deceased and the survived by. While death is no laughing matter, some petty last words can provide some pretty entertaining comic relief. Welcome to Obituary. Obituary. I'm Spencer Henry. And I'm Madison Reyes. And we are just having a little conversation before we started recording. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to hit record because I bet a lot of people can relate to this. We were talking about just different anxieties, which, you know, we talk about on the show a lot. And I was. And our rituals that we do. Yeah. I was talking about, well, I got my wisdom teeth out last weekend. Uh huh. Finally. Uh huh. And And uh, you gave them to me. I did. And I love them. (laughs) In a little (laughs) ballad. It says, to tooth you the truth. No, to tell you the tooth. or to Oh, tooth be told. Tooth. <laughs> I'm glad we're best friends. <laughs> and I glued my teeth into this card with some Hershey <laughs> kisses for you. No, but we were talking about, I had, because I'm insane, I think is the word. I was taking pictures of like my mouth all week mm-hmm. to make sure everything looked right mm-hmm. because I'm a, a hypochondriac. Yeah. 
And I was like, what are these ridges on the roof of my mouth in this one picture? And then I like looked it up and I was telling Madison, I was like, oh, these are normal. And you're like, yeah, everybody has Yeah, those. we have them. But then I was like, you know, we've just had a lot going on the past mm-hmm. couple of weeks. And so I was like, I think that's why we're both feeling a little anxious. And you were like, yeah, my rituals have been. Yeah, my I do my nightly ritual and I have to like film every lock on every window, lock on all the doors, we've stove, talked. all of it. But now my alarm clock rituals are crazier than ever before. I check them like 500 times, set them on all the iPads we own, all the phones. I leave notes for my husband in the morning, like before you go to work, please make sure I'm up. And then you were saying how you're, you did that recently too on your coffee maker. Notes. Yeah. I'll write. If I have something that I need to remember that next day, like if something different is in my schedule, I'll write myself a note and put it on my Nespresso because I know that's the first thing that I'm going to go to in the morning when I wake up. So I'll see it. And I was about to tell you, but then I just started recording my grandpa all my life. Mm-hmm. has always written himself notes and put them by the coffee maker. Okay. And it's so funny to me because I'm like, I'm turning into that. Uh-huh. Like, I need to write myself notes. Where can I put it so that I'll see it? And I'm like, yeah. first thing I do in the morning is always go to make a cup of coffee. So it's totally it's funny. I, wonder I how- called you your grandpa earlier today or yesterday or something. I'm like, you are a hard worker, <laughs> just like him. I like to work, okay? <laughs> okay, but we had a little relaxation in there. Um, We sure did. <laughs> I came over to your house to watch the Grammys. Nope, Super nope, Bowl. to watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. We just watched the halftime show. We did, and then we left your husband in the living room, <laughs> and we went and got into your bed <laughs> with all our dogs. It was amazing. Um. It was glorious. I felt like afterwards, I was kind of like, huh. It's kind of like when a frat guy tries to like trick you into going to their bed. You were like, hey, come check out this new TV in my room. (laughs) I know. Next thing I know, I'm under the covers. Wait. I don't like people to leave. And my husband, he's always like, okay, you need to let people leave. And I didn't want you to leave. We had to get a smaller TV in our living room. It was a whole thing. We used to have a huge one out there that we moved into the bedroom. So it is humongous for the bedroom and it's like ridiculous looking but it's pretty fucking cool because it's like a movie theater in our bedroom and I was like come on come look at it just for a second I want you to experience it (laughs) I was like get into bed get comfortable let's put on a show I just want you to experience it for a minute and then four hours later we're still there (laughs) her husband comes walking down the hallway at one point and he just laughed in the room he was laughing because he's like there's another man in my bed (laughs) (laughs) but we were just laying there with the dogs it was the fucking best it felt like when you're young or like a teenager when you're in your early 20s and you go out and then you Mm -hmm. just spend a night in bed with your friends watching yeah shitty reality shows it was the best i hope that we do that on tour a lot that's yeah that's (laughs) every night just a big sleepover party well i was telling you too for our next tour i want to do like a sleepover slumber party theme so that we can all wear pajamas yes i know we finalized what we're gonna wear for this tour i'm excited for our outfits so excited it was meant to be meant to be but we're not saying anything be there or be square yes get your tickets okay obituarypodcast.com yeah don't forget it don't forget it babe (laughs) no so much fun so much fun but you know what i woke up the next morning my ankle was killing me and i was like what the fuck? I know I didn't twist it or like fall or anything. I don't know what is going on. So I texted my husband and he's like, 
you did twist it. You twisted it yesterday and you even said, ow. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I need to remember because you almost knocked yourself out with a light in the garage. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. For my side, bitch, we'll save that story. Okay, okay. <laughs> I know we normally do this at the end, and we will do it at the end. We have a lot of packages. Okay. My house, you guys, my living room, there's probably... Like 30 packages. 30, maybe 40 packages. There's yeah. also in the office, there is about... 11, 12 packages, uh-huh. maybe. So I went to the P.O. box today <laughs> and I checked our P.O. box. There were some packages in there and then there was like a slip. And that means, okay, you have to go to the front because they have something big that didn't fit in it. And I give it to them. They're like, okay, what's your number? I was like, 18149. They're like, oh, you got a lot. You got a lot of packages. And two people had to bring out a big thing of all the packages. I'm going to guess there might be a lot of gavels, <laughs> which we love. And I was also like, oh my God, we feel bad because people keep sending gavels. But we also love it. But we also we were love. like, what else should we have asked for? <laughs> like we should have said we need Money. a whole list of things. <laughs> Oh, it'd be a shame if someone sent us a case of Diet Coke. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So should we say no more gavels if you if you, okay if you've already sent a gavel, we're gonna wait for it mm-hmm. and we're gonna read it on the show and we will love it just as much as we loved yes, the first it's gavel. Going with the collection and we're mm-hmm. trying to figure out what we're gonna do with all the gavels, mm-hmm. but we are retiring this request. Yes. For now. For now. We don't know mm-hmm. what's to come. But so beyond grateful. Fucking wild. <laughs> Laughing. Just like how fucking cool. Also just what idiots we are because we don't think. I know. We underestimated you guys. You guys show up for us. <laughs> you do. You really do. We appreciate it so much and that's why we want to show up for you and give you some behind the scenes content. Oh, a little segue action. Okay, let's talk <laughs> about it. So we are back where we started. We're on Patreon now. It's all just going to be, we're not doing extra episodes there. I mean, we're recording episodes, Mm -hmm. but it's not our typical content. It's behind the scenes stuff. It's us just fucking around. Mm -hmm. The first episode that we put up, it's us playing this horrific Would You Rather game. (laughs) And it's fucking wild and gross. So there's your warning. We We called it an icebreaker. We're like, you can get to know us a little, this side of us. A little too well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Our grotesque side. So it's patreon.com slash cult leader if you want to join i think it's five bucks five bucks for the month and it's yeah. very casual we're gonna want to do it if you don't we still love you yeah and we will um post a picture of the gavels on there yes <laughs> spencer was like i want to be able to put up like a recipe that we talked about or you know just kind of anything up there yeah so, so we're gonna throw random stuff up from time to time but it's nothing that we talk about on the show normally and it, nothing's gonna change with our regular shows so that's yes. that oh we talk about how it's so funny now how our friends and family will show us things or send us funny articles or whatever that pertain to the show mm-hmm. a lot of death centric stuff one of our good friends was over the other night and he lost his parents and he was showing me this necklace that was so cool it was like a silver silver necklace not too big but it holds ashes and you can just wear it all day yeah i loved it he was too nervous to put the ashes in though so we were like well maybe put like the dirt in from the grave 
just throw some of the ashes in I there. Know. I know. But what if you do lose it? And what then was it's it? Like... We had a story written in or something where they wore the ashes and they were like, I was so scared the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary. Because what if you lose it and you're like, are they in the gutter somewhere? Like, where is it? Oh, see, I don't know. I think it's fine. Yeah. Just fill it. Just fill it. Get a tattoo with it. Can't you do that with ashes? Yeah. We're saving that for a coffin spinner. Yep. <laughs> do you have any listener emails? I do. And I'm really proud of it because, okay, I'll let me just listen. Or let me just read it. <laughs> You're like, let me just listen. We just sit here. <laughs> silence for the next 70 minutes of just dead air. Dumbass. <laughs> Okay, so it says, hello, Madison and Spencer, and hello to all the pups. I was just listening to episode 86 and was so excited to hear you talk about cordyceps. I'm a biologist who has dabbled in molecular medicine. Super complex, super interesting. I loved it. A biologist is writing (laughs) and is not saying I fucked up that research. So I am taking that as a win. I love it. A compliment. Like you, I've been equally fascinated and terrified by viruses and fungi guy for a while so going on a deep dive at university was a no-brainer. I haven't worked with serious pathogens myself and the genetic engineering I've done has never left the lab. The security measures when it comes to that are pretty reliable where I am. One thing I heard about is that there was a group of scientists who theorized about how to make certain viruses even more infectious and possibly spread to humans even if humans weren't the usual host which is what we talked about, which is terrifying. Yes. If I remember correctly, the scientists decided that maybe it wouldn't be a great idea to publish how exactly to modify the viruses in that way, given people with the right knowledge and resources could use it as a template. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing that is going to be quite interesting slash scary to see in the future is what happens when the microorganisms and viruses that have been trapped in permafrost for thousands to millions of years and that are coming out due to the permafrost thawing thanks to global warming. I know news outlets like to automatically assume the worst and make the end is near headlines, but for now we are okay when it comes to that for the most part. What I wanted to say in all this is that I love hearing you talk about something I'm really passionate about and I love your show. I've been listening to Cult Leader for over four years and found obituary through it. I was hooked immediately. Your energies are so wonderful and uplifting, even if the topics are more on the morbid side, which I absolutely love. Don't get me wrong. Much love from a loyal goth cult babe and Geoff from Germany, Terry. Terry. Love you, Terry. Love you, Terry. A biologist. Oh, thank you for the work that you're doing. I and know. we are so fascinated. So any weird shit you come across, Terry, yes. you know where to send it. Please send it over. Send us a Petri dish of yes. something. <laughs> no. No. A, Just kidding. Send us a, vi- yeah, a virus and permafrost. <laughs> okay. Do you have any assholes? Oh, I got two of them. Oh, Lord. This first one's short. It says, am I the asshole for making a joke at a funeral home? <laughs> I mean, well, I'd do the same probably. My 22-year-old female mom passed away about a week ago from complications from congestive heart failure. I went with my dad and aunt and uncle to the funeral home to make all the arrangements. That sucks, 22. I know. We decided to get her cremated because that's what she wanted. And during the decision-making process, the room was obviously pretty grim and depressed. We were finishing up and the funeral director asked if she had anything in her body that could hurt the workers while she was being cremated. Specifically, 
typically anything with a battery. My dad said, yes, she has a defibrillator in her chest. And my aunt says, yeah, it was supposed to shock her heart if it ever stops to get it beating again. And I said, yeah, well, it didn't work very well. (laughs) And I laughed out loud. My aunt got extremely defensive, arguing that it worked well and it was meant to be a joke to lighten the mood, but I guess it didn't really work very well. Oh, please. That's a funny joke. That is a funny joke, and that's the truth. And it's coping, okay? Okay. Some people use humor to cope because life is miserable. Life is tough, and if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. Yeah. So I'd rather laugh. Yeah. You're not an asshole. Not an asshole at all. The aunt's an asshole. For... Mm-hmm. No, people are sensitive in that yeah, situation. I get, yeah, no one's the asshole. But like, was she voted? Not the asshole. Good. This one says, Am I the asshole for leaving my wife at home sick so I could attend a funeral? One of my aunts recently died. The funeral was organized to happen on a Friday afternoon in my hometown, about a three hour drive away. I wasn't particularly close with my aunt, but I wanted to attend the funeral anyway, as we recently had a lot of family members pass away due to COVID or old age, and honestly, I felt like I should pay my respects. Additionally, this would be the first time I see my parents in about a year as they've flown across the country to attend the funeral. Unfortunately, my wife fell ill a couple days before the funeral. She was getting headaches and nausea, and I suggested taking her to the doctor or the hospital, but she insisted she would be okay and that it would pass. The day before the funeral, I suggested that I should skip the funeral and stay home to look after her, but she said that I should go and that it was nothing serious. I accepted this and promised that I'd come back by midday on Saturday. I left on Friday morning, attended the funeral, caught up with my family and on Friday night I messaged my wife goodnight and she responded asking if I was coming home the same night. This rang alarm bells in my head thinking something was wrong but she consoled me saying that she was actually feeling much better. I considered driving home that night but decided not to because I'd had a couple of drinks at the wake and I was really tired and I didn't feel safe driving all three hours home. On Saturday I arrived home at 12 30 just after midday like he intended. And for the first 30 minutes, my wife completely ignored me. She was clearly upset and after a while told me that she was annoyed that I left her alone while she was sick and that I didn't come home early. What a baby! I explained that I'd been drinking and I was too tired to drive, but she was still upset. She got more upset as we started to argue and she said I should care more about her than my aunt who I hardly talked to. What? And that I should have chosen on my own to stay with her. She didn't want my family to see her as the bad guy who kept me from coming to a funeral, but she wanted me to prioritize her. What? I'm conflicted because I see where she's coming from, but also if I miss my aunt's funeral, there wouldn't have been a second funeral. I miss it forever. And I was really annoyed because I thought my wife was almost fully recovered when I left, but apparently she wasn't. Am I the asshole? What the fuck? Your wife is the asshole and a weirdo. Manipulative weirdo. Manipulative, abusive almost. Gaslighter. Wow. What a bitch. What a weirdo. It's so weird to me because... This person actually seems like they're having a hard time figuring out if they're in the wrong. And it's like, obviously, they are not. Well, they're the perfect person to manipulate. Uh Uh-huh. His whole original plan was that he was going to get home on Saturday at midday. He gets home at 1230, calls her the night before, and is like, do you want me to drive home? And she says she's feeling better. She's the one who told him to go. Fuck her. Weird. Weird. Oh, that pisses me off. So many shitty people. Because it wasn't even just about the aunt. I mean, he wanted to pay his respects. But he also hadn't seen his family in a year, you creep oh she's... i don't like that what did that one asshole get called by the friend a ghoul a ghoul she's, <laughs> she's a, a ghoul, ghoul. <laughs> yes oh my An insecure ghoul hater hate her asshole behavior big time well 
think I'm up well. first this week, if I if memory serves me correct. You are, which means I have a side bitch. So I have a little story. Oh, we get to hear it now. We get to hear it. The other night I was in the garage on a ladder and I was putting away a bunch of frames like up in the rafters. We have like a shelf thing. And I was doing that when a big steel light fixture with two long bulbs came crashing down onto my head. It swung and almost knocked me out. And again, I was on a ladder and I thought I was a goner. Like I really was like, I'm going to fall over. It hurt so bad. And then I woke up the next morning with my head hurt and everything. I figured my side bitch would need to talk about fractured skulls. Perfect. Because that's what I felt like I had. That night you were like having me look at your head with a flashlight. You're like, it's pretty red. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, you're fine. <laughs> I was so mad. You know when you get hurt and you just want to fucking punch someone? Oh, it's like when you bump your hip into a corner or something oh. and you want to fucking fight. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. Okay, this is from Bel Air, Maryland, the Aegis. In 1899, crushed his skull. Mr. Christopher Crow, well known in Upper Hartford, died suddenly at his home near New Park on Sunday morning in a rather mysterious way. He had been visiting a neighbor on Saturday evening and upon returning home, retired in apparent good health. On Sunday morning, he arose at a very early hour and started downstairs. Nothing was heard of him until a member of the family upon going down found the lifeless body of Mr. Crow lying at the foot of the stairs with his skull crushed in. He had evidently fallen down the stairs, but strange enough, without being heard by anyone. Mr. Crow was about 60 years of age and left two sons, Joseph and Westlev, and one daughter, Mrs. John Strawbridge. His funeral took place on Tuesday, the internment being made in the Center Cemetery near Norrisville. Hmm. So was it a... A murder? Could it have been? An accident? I mean, anything crushing your skull, I feel like, would be loud. Maybe. I don't know. See, you know what's weird about the human body? Sometimes people just fall down two steps and die. I know. So I don't even fucking know anymore what's normal and what's not. You hear shocking things and you're I like, know. oh. I twisted my ankle initially the first time that fucked me up forever on a playground. Oh, walking in the sand three years ago. I was in a <laughs> playground. <laughs> Longer. Oh, it was longer. Like I think it was like probably four or five years ago. Yeah, I remember a... you came over to my house like a week or two later and you did it again. Yeah. We went on a walk. <gasps> I remember that. Uh-huh. And then we went on a walk and I'll never forget that walk where you fucking fell and spilled your coffee all over yourself and those teenage Twice. boys, you couldn't get up and those <laughs> teenage boys drove by on a golf cart and they laughed at you. <laughs> <laughs> No. And then they'd help you up and he said, I don't know. You're you're gonna have to go get my car. You're gonna have to go get my car. When I fell at your house, mm -hmm. I was like in so much pain, screaming, crying. You were like, Don't cry, please don't cry. Like you I'm were no, laugh. because you were saying, I'm, okay, so I'm I'm gonna pass out. I'm gonna pass out. And I, I said, was biting like your throw you pillows. Bit my throw pillows. And I said, <laughs> please do not do that, and please do not pass out. Not at my house. Well, yeah, Here you are today. Weird. <laughs> the body's weird. It just happens. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back. We're going to be spinning. We're going to be spinning <laughs> safely from our seats. We'll yes. be right back. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. And we're back. Spencer, what had you spinning? All right. Let me preface this by saying we're going to talk about reincarnation. Ooh, okay. But it's a topic that I think we're going to have to tackle throughout a lot. multiple episodes. I agree. There's so many different beliefs around reincarnation, not only who you could come back as, but what you could come back as. Today, we're going to focus on several people who have claimed to be reincarnated, and some of them are pretty wild. <laughs> okay. Pretty out there. But first, I wanted to get into some statistics. According to the Pew Research Center, fewer than half of Americans believe in reincarnation, which honestly, if you were to ask me, I would think like maybe 20%. I don't know. Does Christianity believe in reincarnation? I don't know. No, I don't think so. But what about like, didn't Jesus reincarnate? As who? Girl, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like he reincarnated water into wine. Never know. You never know. You never know. He didn't reincarnate. He rose from his grave. He was resurrected. Resurrected. Marshall down the street. Um, He came back as Santa. Well, if you ask, hello, you want to know why I'm maybe confused? Because on cult leaders, so many cult leaders claim to be reincarnates of people that had major roles in religion at the time. I looked it up and it says the Bible doesn't mention people having a second chance or coming back as something different, but it definitely talks about God and Christ like becoming flesh, becoming Okay. Men. So I, I, don't I get know. where I get what you're trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I see what you're trying to do here. <laughs> like I am the well, it has actually Bible a, whisperer. It has a breakdown chart of like who believes in what. It says Christians, uh, it breaks down like the different sectors of Christianity, like Protestant, like 26%, Evangelical, 16%, and then all the different age ranges and stuff, whatever. I'll link that if any of you are interested. Those who believe in reincarnation? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's something you hear a lot, too, that I think we all say it, even if we don't believe in it. Like, oh, when I come back, I want to be her. I want to be them, you know? Totally. Younger Americans are less likely than their elders to believe in heaven and hell, but younger adults are more likely 
likely to believe in reincarnation. Nearly 4 in 10 adults under the age of 50, 38%, believe in reincarnation compared with 27% of those aged 50 and older. That same study also said that overall Catholics are more likely than Protestants to say that they believe in reincarnation, 38 versus 26%, but there's a wide variance within these groups. Nearly half of Hispanic Catholics, 47%, believe in reincarnation compared to a third of white Catholics, and the gap among Protestants is even more pronounced. 48% of members of the historically Black Protestant tradition say that they believe in reincarnation, while just 31% of mainline Protestants and only 16% of evangelical Protestants say the same. So, I don't know. Interesting. But again, I feel like I want to get more into the specific religious views Mm -hmm. and also where it's all derived from. Yeah. But I found these like different lists of people that have claimed to be reincarnated. And I always think it's so, it's just such a wild concept. I know. To me, the idea. These are all people who claim to, well, most of them be reincarnates of other people. But Mm -hmm. we do have one that's a little different. I was reading this one story from a List First article. And it says that in the 1930s, there was this Indian girl named Shanti Devi who claimed she was the reincarnate of another Indian woman named Lugdi Bai. Lugdi was born on January 18th of 1902, got married at 10, and lost her first child after suffering a stillbirth. She birthed a second child on September 25th of 1925, but died of pregnancy complications on October 4th. So she was a young mom. Shanti was born on December 11th of 1926, and she didn't really talk when she was a child, I guess. And when she did, it was about her husband and children. <gasps> And she said that her husband, named Kadarnath, lived in Mathura, and they had a son. She described her husband, his shop, his house, and she also described the way that she dressed when she was with him and the, all of the things that they used to like do together when they were a couple. Mm-hmm. Shanti's family started taking her stories more seriously after she described how she died. The, the revelations startled a physician since Shanti was too young to have understood the surgical procedures that she was talking to her family about. So she was like describing all of these like in-depth things that she was way too young to have any knowledge yeah so what her family did was they arranged a meeting between shanti and her former husband's oh my god his cousin she recognized him immediately the cousin (gasps) she also recognized Kadarnath, when she finally met him, she met her former husband, (gasps) even though he was deliberately introduced to her as her former husband's brother. They tried to like trick her to see if she would get it. And she fucking knew exactly who he was. I would love to know how she talked. I know. The news of the reincarnation spread throughout India. Mahatma Gandhi even selected 15 people to personally investigate Shanti's claims. (gasps) They followed her to Mathura, where she recognized several people. She talked all about how it had changed since she died. She led them on her own to her husband's house, even though she'd never been here before. And how old was she at this time? Like a child, I think. Like her wow. maybe teenager. The news garnered worldwide attention after the team published their findings. And there was actually this guy from Sweden who was like a famous debunker, came specifically to India to expose. Shanti as a hoax mm-hmm. and left being like, nope, it's true. Fuck. Isn't that wild? Undeniable. Uh huh. Wow. Something about it just 
It blows my mind. Yeah. Because there's something to reincarnation that Mm -hmm. I think is, it makes me believe, like, stories like this make me feel like, that could be true. Like, how else do you explain it? Totally. This next one was out of this world, literally. With so many people claiming to be reincarnations of other people, it was only a matter of time before someone claimed to be reincarnated from an alien. (laughs) Oh! So I guess there was this guy named Boryshka Kiprianovic from Russia and claimed to be the reincarnate of a Martian who had passed away. (gasps) which I love. I love that. I love the creativity, and I love that you can't really debunk it. Yeah. It's like, they didn't know that Martian, did uh they? He said that he used to live on Mars, but that he was killed during a nuclear war. He said before the war, he was part of this team of Martians that would come to Earth a lot. He claimed to have met with ancient Egyptians on a trip. And he also said that Martians have unlocked the secret of immortality, and they have the technology to stop themselves from aging once they reach 35. Oh my god. Which I'm saying bring us... Beam me up. Um, Barishka, I want that technology. Yes. Because it's approaching. It okay? is approaching here. <laughs> he also said that our spacecrafts cannot detect life on Mars because the entire planet was leveled during a war and the rest of the Martians are relocated underground on Mars. Well, we've heard about them being in the ocean. And now we've heard about them being underground that's why we can't see him mm. and he's, he also said that the absence of oxygen on mars is not a problem for them because martians can breathe carbon dioxide perfect so he's got it all figured out is he still alive is he what how when was this well he's actually a kid Oh. He started talking about this, I guess, back in 2017. He was like 11 at the time, so I'm not what? sure how old he is now. Holy shit. But he talks about like very specific events. He said that some of his species still survived, and he's known for being a genius. Like he's a very smart, like a Mensa child. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I don't know, it's interesting though. Wow. I feel like most of the stories are children though which we'll get into a little more later on there was one more from that list first article that i wanted to read and it's about uh luke roman this one i was like kind of laughing it's just because it's so wild to me he was two years old when he started to claim that he was reincarnated from a chicago woman named pam so imagine your two-year-old child is like claiming to be a woman from fucking chicago Named Pam. He didn't even live in Chicago. He lived in Ohio with his He's mom. He's two. How does he know anything? I know. But his mom said that he was always talking about Pam. Always talking about Pam. And she's like, I never really paid attention to it because she thought like, oh, he had just made up this imaginary friend and yeah. I guess it's Pam from Chicago. I don't know. My kid's weird. What do you, what? What do, you do? But she finally one day sits him down and she's like, okay, who is Pam? And he goes into detail <laughs> talking about the fact that he was Pam in his previous life. He said that he had died in a fire and went to heaven, but then God sent him back to earth as a baby. And so Erica Googles this 
this, she finds there's this woman named Pam Robinson who died in a hotel fire in Chicago in 1993. And that's who they think he is the reincarnate of. What? She said she had never talked to her son about Chicago before. He was able to identify her, Pam. His mom pulled a bunch of pictures of different women. Mm -hmm. And Pam was in there from Chicago, the woman who had died in the fire. And he was able to point her out who she was in the picture. No. Mm -hmm. Oh, it gives me the chills. There's something comforting about it. Talk about the fucking chills. Okay. I read this on Ranker. There was these two sisters. Well, that's where I first read about it. And then I kind of dug around. But there was these two sisters, these twins named Joanna and Jacqueline. And they died in a car accident on May 5th of 1957. Mm -hmm. And their parents, John and Florence Pollock, were just like devastated. I mean, to lose both of your children at the same time well the following year they find out florence is pregnant again and it's twins oh they named these twins jillian and jennifer they were born identical except for jennifer's birthmark she had a birthmark on her waist similar to a birthmark that jacqueline had and a birthmark on her forehead that resembled one of jacqueline's scars oh my god you're kidding i have full goosebumps the parents moved away from their old home that they had lived in with joanna and jacqueline the first twins after having their second set of twins and they were three months old at the time they never really talked about their former set of twins because the kids were still really young but i guess their new twins had like memories of things that had happened with the older children what they would ask for like certain toys that i guess belonged to (gasps) the older set of twins and one time they drove them to where the parents used to live and they could point out certain things that they recognized and they were also terrified of cars which is how the older sisters died in a a (gasps) car accident oh my god it says that luckily by the age of five these memories mostly faded away and they went on to live relatively normal adult lives but it's frequently cited as like one of the major examples of like evidence of reincarnation i love it i love that so much how comforting i know Okay, so I think everyone knows I'm a sucker for a Lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this show. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It was called Ghost Inside My Child. Yes, I re- totally remember okay. it. So the second episode of season one, they cover the story of this kid named Jamie, who you'll probably remember. I have never forgotten this story. I rewatched the episode. <laughs> and Jamie, growing up, was like irrationally scared of water. Mm-hmm terrified he would never go near the deep end of the pool like he freaked out if anyone tried to he didn't even like other people going into the other side of the pool well his mom wrote about it on a reincarnation forum online for like people that have experienced this she wrote from the ages of four to six years old my son jamie had vivid memories of sailing and dying on the titanic do you remember this Mm -hmm. story i don't i mean i vaguely but yes Okay, it's crazy. The whole episode started when he saw the end of the movie Titanic. The very next day, he started painting, drawing, and outlining the Titanic. Some drawings cut the ship in half, showing 
every level and hundreds of rooms and windows. He also suffered from night terrors where he would wake up and run throughout the house like he was looking for a way out. By the time he was six years old, we took him to see the Titanic exhibit in Chicago in 2000. He studied every piece of the exhibit and a few weeks later had a night terror that seemed to relive the sinking of the ship. After that nightmare, he slowly stopped talking about it. Just this past summer, his experience was featured on The Ghost Inside My Child, and now at 20 years old, he remembers the Titanic being as familiar to him as his own house. I also wrote about his experiences in my book, The Secrets of the Universe. God, I'm trying to remember when Erica Jane talking about her past lives, and she's like, yes, I was was a little boy in the basement of a ship. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do you remember that? No. Oh, God. She had like two or three past lives she talked about. Of course. Of course. Psychology Today did an interview with a woman named Barbara Graham, who also wrote a book called What Joa Knew. And the book sounds so fucking good. I bought it. I cannot wait to read it. It's really? not a true story. It's a psychological thriller about this boy recalling memories of a missing 22-year-old musician. Okay. It just looks interesting. It's like a thriller and it also involves reincarnation. But in the interview with Psychology Today, they asked Barbara, since your debut novel, What Jonah Knew, touches on past lives, what do you say to reincarnation skeptics? And she said, I say, look at the evidence. There are decades of credible research led by the late psychiatrist Ian Stevenson and his successor, (gasps) child psychiatrist Jim Tucker at the University of Virginia. They've accumulated more than 2,500 cases of kids with spontaneous recall of a previous life. These are young kids who generally begin talking about a former life between the ages of two and four, which is what I saw to be like the most common ages, and whose statements have been verified. In a 1999 interview with the New York Times, Stevenson said, science develops ideas of what is so, and it becomes very difficult to force scientists to look at new data that may challenge existing concepts. I'm not trying in any way to replace what we know about genetics or environmental influences. All I'm offering is that past lives may contribute to a third factor that would fill in some of the gaps in our knowledge Mm -hmm. that we have. Then they asked Barbara, if a therapist with no background in this had a young patient with these sorts of memories, how do you recommend they work with the child? And she said that 70% of kids with memories of a previous life recall dying by murder, suicide, or an accident, and more than 35% show an intense fear related to the manner of death, which I've known so many people in my life who are like scared of car accidents or they're scared of fire. And I feel like people always say like, oh, you must have drowned in your past life Mm -hmm. or you must have burnt down in a house in your past life. Yeah. And then they said, why do you think every child doesn't have memories of a past life? And she said, I think it comes down to trauma or the degrees of distress. If you accept the possibility that there is some continuity of consciousness after death, then it seems logical that those who die suddenly or violently would carry more of an imprint from the previous lifetime than a 95-year-old who slips off peacefully in the night. Mm -hmm. What's more is that dying young increases the likelihood that a child will later report memories of a previous life. And they said, so you're suggesting that therapists should treat children with disturbing past life memories the same way they would treat other trauma and she said yes being believed can be very helpful Mm -hmm. carol bowman who has been documenting these sorts of cases for decades says to parents in her book children's past lives that these memories are an opportunity to heal unfinished business that otherwise might cause problems as your child grows into an adult she said it's my understanding that kids are allowed to speak openly about their memories have an easier time letting go of the past in a 
adapting to their present life. And I'll link the rest of that article with the interview. I just find it so fascinating when you hear stories like this because they say that children can hear and see things that we can't mm-hmm. because like we've grown out of it and we're told we're jaded yeah, too. It's yeah. Like, it's not normal. It's like you stop kind of believing in the magic, but I think it's it's a little eerie, but very, very very interesting. interesting. The it's- unfinished business thing caught me because you know you've heard about like soul contracts how we like sign a soul contract before we come to earth and how we like move in soul circles yeah it does kind of make sense a lot of people that talk about the afterlife will say you kind of go back to this place to recharge and a lot of times when you go into your next life or whatever that you are with people that you were with in your past lives but sometimes you play different roles which Mm -hmm. is why sometimes parents act like more like children sometimes adults act like more like parents to their children or Uh sometimes you have a best friend who could have been your husband in the past Mm -hmm. life or I saw some people on these reincarnation websites there was one guy who wrote something like me and my wife were definitely in a past life together but she was actually my husband Mm. and I was like Oh, it's interesting. You do meet some people, I think, and you bond with them Mm -hmm. so immediately. Yeah. And I feel like that could explain it. Like you had some sort of relation to each other in another life. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I think that's so comforting. It's a beautiful way to think about it. Yeah. For sure. (laughs) But. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, I think there's just a dirt nap after death. (laughs) Everything just goes black and it's fine. God. (laughs) I've told you I'm comfortable with anything. Yeah, you'll be reincarnated as a fucking bush. Hopefully not yours. Anyway, we'll take a quick break. Bye. Good night. Come back. We'll hear what had you spinning in your coffin. (laughs) Considering a master's in forensic science, but juggling family and work, the University of Florida Forensic Science Online Graduate Program is your solution. Tailored for working pros, this entirely online program fits seamlessly into your schedule. Crafted with FBI and law enforcement input, the curriculum equips you with skills to elevate your career. Join over 1,500 graduates who earned their master's since 2000. Specialize in forensic toxicology, DNA and serology, forensic drug chemistry, or create your plan with an MS in forensic science. Advance your career with a master's. No need to rearrange your life. It's online, interactive, and built for professionals like you. No GRE required. Network with forensic pros globally. Ready for the next chapter? Join the world's largest forensic science program and alumni network at forensicscience.ufl.edu slash Wondery. Your journey begins at the University of Florida. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout. When you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up, however you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco. Or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. And we're back. What had you spinning in your coffin this week? Well, a little girl named Rosalia. <gasps> Rosalia. Rosalia Lombardo. Oh, my God. Well, right. what's her deal? Okay. <laughs> what's she up to? So, Rosalia lived in Palermo, Italy, 
She died of pneumonia in 1920, most likely due to the Spanish flu. And she was almost two years old when she died. She actually passed on December 6th, 1920, which was just a week shy of her second birthday. Sad. I know. But I want to talk about her first because I truly think that she is the best preserved body I've ever seen. And I sent you some pictures to look at. So if you can take a look at her. Is she the one with the bow? She's the one with the bow. When was this picture taken? We'll get there. So some people call her Sleeping Beauty and others call her the girl in the glass coffin. Oh my God. Wait, I feel like I've heard about this. Have you? So for those listening, I'll describe her. She looks like a perfectly preserved little girl. She looks like she's literally just sleeping. She's inside of this glass coffin that's perfect for her size. She's tiny. She has blonde hair, kind of messy bangs with a silk bow on top of her head and a silk blanket is laying on top of her which is fading in color over time because that picture she still looks the exact same. To this day? To this day. No. 103 years later yes. The only thing that really shows how old it is is that the silk blanket is fading in color and then also there's like this virgin mary brooch kind of amulet thing sitting on her blanket that's oxidizing and fading over time but she still looks pretty fresh so this is a picture from the 19 or this is a picture like recent Mm -hmm. and she died in 1920 1920 how okay we'll get to how but many people believe that she is fake just kind of like your reaction that maybe her body was replaced with a wax replica. However, she was x-rayed. I think the History Channel did like a documentary on her and she was thoroughly x-rayed. Also, National Geographic did a full MRI on her and it showed everything. It showed her brain still in her body. Well, they don't remove your brain for autopsies. So the History Channel and National Geographic did an MRI and a full x-ray on her. Her brain is still there, although it's like half the size now. It's like shrunken. All of her organs are still in her, and it showed her full skeletal system. So what the fuck? She is absolutely real. And there's also a big rumor around her because of her eyes. She still has her eyelashes, and it is said that she opens her eyes. No. Kind of follows you around. She doesn't do that. It's a myth. Apparently, her eyelids have never been fully shut, and it's an optical illusion, so And I guess her coffin at one point was shifted a little bit. So light hits it. And when it hits it at different angles, it does look like her eyes are opening. I'm shocked it's ever even exposed to light and it's still... It's not really ever exposed that much. And it's never been opened, the glass. So no elements have gotten in there. So her father, Mario Lombardo, was obviously so sad and distraught by her death that he wanted her to live forever and he wanted to properly preserve her. So he called upon Alfredo Salafia, who was a taxidermist and an embalmer in Italy. And the mystery surrounding how he got her to literally look so perfect and preserve her so well was not solved until like the early 2000s. An anthropologist named Dario Piombino Mascali traced it back through the embalmer's relatives and found a handwritten memoir that he wrote out exactly how to embalm her. So all that's interesting says formalin, 
zinc salts, alcohol, salicylic acid, and glycerin are what was used. And then it goes on to say formalin, now widely used by embalmers, is a mixture of formaldehyde and water that eliminates bacteria. Salafia, the embalmer, was among the first to use this chemical for embalming bodies. Alcohol, along with the arid climate in the catacombs, which is where we will get to, dried Rosalia's body. Glycerin kept her body from drying out too much, and salicylic acid prevented the growth of fungi. But the zinc salts, according to Melissa Johnson-Williams, executive director of the American Society of Embalmers, were the critical element in retaining her remarkable state of preservation. Zinc, a chemical no longer used by embalmers, essentially petrified her tiny body. Zinc gave her rigidity, Williams told National Geographic. You could take her out of the casket, prop her up, and she would stand up by herself. The embalming procedure was simple, consisting of a single point injection without any drainage or cavity treatment. Is that not wild? It's fucking insane. Because most bodies, I mean, they get plugged and they get sucked and yeah. filled. and. So he just had one injection of all of this. Oh my God. Isn't Why don't they wild? do this anymore? I know. She looks great. See, if you could preserve people like this, maybe I would want a coffin. Okay. Because this does not happen nowadays. Okay. And if you looked like that, where would you want to be? But the fucking best place to be which are these catacombs i want to talk about you can go see rosalia today at the capuchin catacombs in palermo rosalia was actually one of the last bodies interred there in the 1920s and these catacombs have a nickname it's called club dead I'm trying to go to Club Dead. Okay. So back in the late 1500s, the Capuchin Monastery, this is in Palermo, Sicily, had a garden cemetery where they would bury people. However, that cemetery filled up, but they still needed room for new bodies. So the monks there went underground and they began excavating catacombs so that they could have more area to store bodies. This area was really only meant to be four deceased monks and the first to be placed in the catacombs was Silvestro of Gubbio. He was mummified in 1599 and I guess because the catacombs are so dry they would lay bodies down there on terracotta shelves and allow them to drip out all of their fluids it's getting drip dried. <laughs> get drip dried. I read an article that compared it to preparing prosciutto. Like just, I guess you just let it dry out. Then after about a year, they've dripped all of their fluids out. They're washed in vinegar and then dressed and put on display in the catacombs. Oh. Now over time, people caught wind of this underground catacomb display that held all of these bodies of these monks and everybody wanted in. And so many prominent people, noblemen, rich families all wanted to be interred there. So they opened it up to those who could afford in. The place is now divided in different sections. Some bodies are in coffins and the coffins are open, of course. Some are placed on shelves. Many are separated by age, sex, social status, and occupation. There are rooms for virgins, which are girls who are dressed all in white. There are halls of professionals like lawyers, doctors, 
There's even an area for officers. Then there's an area for priests. And many well-to-do people are down there in gowns or suits. Not all of the mummies look as good as Rosalia because they just dried them up and put them in a vinegar bath. And many are missing noses and their jaws have come loose and they look like they're (laughs) screaming at each other. Oh my God. But there are around 8,000 bodies stored down there and you can go tour it. And we go. I would love to to go like could you imagine walking through these catacombs of these people hanging on the walls and different rooms for like that's your resting place babies are there in cribs still i want to go and baby clothes i read that it's one of if not the biggest catacombs in europe so yeah so that's club dead guys and the most famous attendee there is rosalia The pictures are incredible. Like looking at just the side by side, which I'm sure we'll post with like the couple dancing in. I like want a print of that. I know. (laughs) It's called Love and Death. I looked it up. I was like, I want that print. And then there's the real pictures of. They hang them on the walls. They're in their best outfits. It's incredible. Isn't it crazy? That's like a bucket list. I'm going to say it. By next year, Mm -hmm. I want us to have gone here. Yeah. And we will report everything. Uh Uh-huh. I think it's like $3.50 to enter. We're selling the gavels so that we can fund a trip (laughs) to (laughs) to Palermo. (laughs) We can go see Rosalia. She lives on forever. I'm shocked at how well preserved she is. I know. That's incredible. Really incredible. Oh my God. Thanks. Yeah. No problem. I know. I loved it. I loved learning about it. When I saw it, I was like, there's no way. But I mean, I guess there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. My God. (laughs) She's, she looks alive. See, I think the dad went and got the right person for the job because he was not only an embalmer, but he was a taxidermist. Oh. Which we need to have. We've talked about having one of my good friends is a taxidermist in Sweden. And so I'd love to learn some of his tricks. So. Definitely. Oh, my God. God. Well, what better way to memorialize? Than to have an obituary written. Yeah. Our favorite kind of memorial. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my obituary I thought was a really cool example of including a story within an obituary. This is for Binford Urkel Aycock, who died at 81 of Athens, Tennessee. He died Wednesday, July 10th at Life Care Center of Athens. He was born in Pontotoc, Mississippi to Urkel and Letty Ferguson Acock, and he served in the U.S. Army in Korea and was a member of Decatur Church of God in Decatur, Tennessee. He retired from the Caterpillar Company in Juliet, Illinois, and was also a beekeeper. On April 25th of 2002, he was working at a McMinn County rest stop when Mr. Acock saw a note written on the bathroom stall left by a woman who had been kidnapped and held for six months. He called authorities and the abductor was apprehended in addition to his parents he is preceded in death by his son ricky his brother bobby and his sister ruby mr acock is survived by his wife mildred his daughter beverly two sisters emma and martha grandchildren da 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 talks about the funeral services but i was like 
it's so funny because it's like it's just this normal obituary and then sandwiched in between That's his is claim like, to fame. It's like this story. So I wanted to look up the actual story to see if I could find anything on it. And I found this article from the LA Times. It came out April 25th, 2002. Kidnapped woman's plea for help answered. Savannah, Georgia, a woman who says her trucker boyfriend beat her and held her captive for six months, thanked a janitor and Tennessee police Wednesday for answering a plea for help she scrawled on a restroom wall. Wow. I'd probably be dead if it wasn't for them. Katina Shaddix said on ABC's Good Morning America. Benford Acock was cleaning the bathroom at an Interstate 75 rest stop on Friday in McMinn County, Tennessee, when he found a message scrawled in black marker. Won't let me out. Beating me. This is no joke. The message also referred to Cannon Truck 383. Mm. Acock called 911 and officials used a satellite positioning system to trace the truck to a rest stop on Interstate 16 in Georgia. The boyfriend, a trucker with Cannon Express Corporation, was hauling light bulbs to a Walmart in Douglas, Georgia. Shaddix, who's 24, told police she had hidden a marker in her sock and left more than 30 messages in restrooms from New York to Tennessee. Wow. She was released Wednesday from the hospital. The truck driver, Shannon Jones, 26, of Delhi, New York, was charged Wednesday with kidnapping. He has been jailed since Saturday on aggravated assault charges. Acock, 70, said he knew the message was for real and he wouldn't want anybody to turn their back on me if I was in that situation Wow! and I'm like holy shit that's like a suspense movie thinking yes. of like writing this message and like 30 times and nobody I know nobody followed everybody just ignored it yeah it's like the bystander if I like wow and you yeah should- Take it seriously because what's the worst that's going to happen? Mm-hmm. You reported and nothing comes. Uh huh. And it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I thought it was interesting, and I love that it was like so important that like to the family that they were like, we got to put that in the obituary. Yeah. We got to figure out how to get that in there. I love that. That's his claim to fame. And you know what? When you go and read the article, it tells more about him than any obituary could. Absolutely. Period. Period. (laughs) What do you got? Okay, I have a woman named Geraldine. Geraldine Hoff Doyle, a World War II factory worker whose bandana-wearing image in a wire service photo is said to have been the model for the woman depicted in the 1942 We Can Do It poster. Oh, love it. Has died. She was 86. The iconic wartime poster became an enduring symbol of woman's power from the Rosie the Riveter era. Doyle died of age-related causes Sunday at Hospice House of Mid-Michigan in Lansing, said her daughter, Stephanie Gregg. Doyle was a 17-year-old high school graduate when she took a job at the American Brooch and Machine Co. in her hometown of Ann Arbor, Michigan in 1942, a time when millions of women across the country were going to work to replace men who had gone to war. She had just graduated and some of the young men had left school to volunteer to fight. Greg said. A couple had been killed and she felt she wanted to do something for the war effort. Doyle was operating a metal stamping machine when a United Press photographer took a picture of the tall, slender, and glamorously beautiful brunette wearing a polka dot bandana over her hair. Her photo, according to an account on the Pop History Dig website, was seen by Pittsburgh artist J. Howard Miller, who was commissioned by the Westinghouse War Production Coordinating Committee to create a series of morale-building posters to inspire Westinghouse factory workers. Miller We Can Do It poster portrays a woman in a red and white polka dot bandana and a blue uniform, rolling up a sleeve over a flexed right bicep. Greg said her mother, who was not 
as muscular as the woman depicted in the poster, had no idea her photograph had been used as a model for Miller's poster until the mid-1980s. She was tickled to recognize that she was the inspiration for so many women. Doyle, who was born July 31st, 1924, in Michigan, actually worked in the factory only a couple of weeks. A cello player, she quit after learning that the women she had replaced had injured her hand on the metal press, her daughter said. She then got a job at a bookstore in Ann Arbor where she soon met her future husband, Leo, who was in dental school. They were married in 1943 and had six children. Doyle also worked as the office manager at her husband's dental office until she was 75. The We Can Do It poster image has been reproduced frequently in recent decades on a variety of items, including on a U.S. postage stamp issued in 1992. You're not supposed to have too much pride, but I can't help to have some in that poster. Doyle told the Lansing State Journal in 2002 after she was invited to speak at the Michigan State Senate. It's just sad I didn't know it was me sooner, Doyle said. Maybe it's a good thing. I couldn't have handled all the excitement then. Doyle appeared at a number of poster signings and events at the Michigan Women's Historical Center and Hall of Fame over the years. She was a very gracious person, said former executive director Gladys Beckwith. The poster represents Rosie the Riveter, a really strong woman who has taken on a non-traditional role and is happy in it and is contributing to the war effort. It's a very significant image, one that has endured. Doyle's husband of 66 years died in February. A son, Gary, died in 1980. In addition to her daughter, Stephanie, Doyle is survived by her other daughters, her son, her sister, her brother, 18 grandchildren, and 25 great-grandchildren. Hmm. And she, I can't believe she didn't know. Jesus. So crazy. give it up for... Give it up for the girl. For Geraldine. Give it up for Geraldine. We love you, girl, and we're so happy that you can do it. Can do it, and you can do it. I can do it. We can, can do, do it. it. What a life. What a legacy. What a gal. Imagine taking a picture and then 40 years later realizing it's you on this famous photo. Insane. Crazy. Well, we've spun in our coffins we've bitched our obituaries we've been well preserved in our coffins Uh uh-huh (laughs) and i guess that means it's time for some dumb ass criminals okay so i have this one that people kept sending in Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. criminal caught after cutting off 37 man buns in one day claiming he was doing (gasps) the lord's work Look at this goofy ass <laughs> mug shot. Oh my god, he loves it. He cut off all the man buns. He loves it. it. Says Los Angeles, California. This is from Daily News. Craig Ledbetter, 33, has been placed into custody after reports came in all over downtown Los Angeles that a man had been running up to other men and cutting off their man buns. <laughs> Dozens of men filled the police station to press charges after their <laughs> top knots or man buns were removed by Craig Ledbetter. 
quote, he attacked me and aggressively removed my top knot. I was in fear for my life from this madman. It will take me years to regrow my hair. I hope he gets the punishment he deserves for wounding me so viciously, said a victim of Ledbetter's. Each assault can come with a sentence of 18 months in jail. Oh, shit. That adds up to a staggering 55 and a half years in jail if convicted of all charges and sentenced consecutively. For cutting off man buns? Could you, you imagine? You kind of deserve it if you're running up, cutting people's <laughs> I hair know. off. That's, That's traumatizing. I know how long it takes to grow out your hair, and it's tough. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, trying to look into it because I'm like, this cannot be real. <laughs> so who knows, but wow if true i say lock him up and throw away the key because what if that had happened to me what if my bullet was in a little bun that day <laughs> oh, no in downtown la i'm there a lot oh no uh-huh i throw hands oh god a little no weasel. more bullet oh execute him right now oh uh, yes uh i want him drawn and quartered capital punishment i want the milk and honey baby oh okay mm-hmm. all right well <laughs> hands off who you got i have a dumbass criminal sent in as well from a geoff and the subject caught my eye because it said dumbass criminal goonies edition and i love the goonies oh it's because you look like that one. Oh, don't <laughs> say that okay it says hey you guys <laughs> It says, hi, girlies. I sent this in on Instagram, then realized I should probably email it instead. So now you get it twice. Oh, boy. I have a dumbass criminal for y'all. I live in the town where the Goonies was filmed, and there has been some recent controversy as the Goonies house was sold to a new owner. It's been on socials, but I didn't think there was that much coverage of it until I saw this news story. Girlies, this shit gets wild. And then she gives us a TLDR. The TLDR on this basically is that this man, and I looked at the article, his name's Jericho, he's like 35. Okay. He went to the Goonies' house, put fish on the Goonies' porch for some reason, and then he like posted it on social media. Then a few hours later, he decides to steal a boat and try to sail across the bar while the weather was absolutely terrible. The waves were insane. The Coast Guard ended up having to rescue him. And there's a video you can see of him being rescued and his boat capsizing and he jumps off right before a huge wave hits the boat and the Coast Guard rescues the swimmer and the boat thief. And he's getting arrested and he's, I think, in in an ice detention center because of it. He needs to meet Storm Drain, girly, Uh because... (laughs) <laughs> he commits this crime and he loves water and he goes and steals a boat. Ugh. Oh my God. What a dumbass. Love him. Some people just can't stop. No. Some people realize that life's an art form and every man's an actor. Maybe he was reincarnated as a... <laughs> Goonie? As a Goonie. <laughs> God. Should we open some of these packages? Yes. Okay, I'm going to open this one first. And it says, I hope you enjoy this gavel, <laughs> and I expect it to be used at least every episode. Court adjourned. Love you, bitches. <laughs> From Brittany B. All right, let's see it. <laughs> Imagine coming to clean my house or something, and there's just like... I'm like, oh my god, he's a judge. Yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's see it. Oh, my oh, God. We don't, we don't have one like this. No. <gasps> oh, look at that base. That's a good. All about that base. Oh. 
Oh, that's got some weight to it. The accents on it. Oh, this is a beauty. The amount of gavels. <laughs> this is a beauty. You're all of That's a good good one. Listen to the bass. That's a good one. That. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, baby. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you, Brittany. <laughs> what is it? Well, girlies, the day has arrived. That's right. You now have your very own custom gavel. <laughs> oh my God, what the fuck? Hi, I am an OG Geoff from the day Ash and Elena hosted you on Morbid. Girlies, I was hooked. I look forward to your podcast every week and I have yet to miss one. You girlies have me yelling in my car. Yes, you're the asshole. Always seeming to agree with you on who are. Your camaraderie and banter is admirable. And Madison, I have saved your laugh is my ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> you are so beautiful. And Spencer, your dimple and mullet. Oh my God. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love you. I, along with my best girly, will be VIP front row of the Pontiac, Michigan live show. Oh, hell yeah. By the way, Pontiac's almost sold out, so you guys get your tickets if you have it. If you so choose to take your gavel on the road, giving me a Judge Geoff shout out and wield the judgment, I won't mind. Please give Hot Dog Desi and Doris puppy kisses. Your girly, Candace. Candace, we cannot wait to see you and oh Open her up. Oh, my God. (gasps) Ooh. Oh my God, Judge, Judge Geoff. Geoff. <laughs> this one's black and silver. This is, I think, our first black gavel. A first black gavel and silver. We uh, yeah. <gasps> Candace, thank you so <laughs> much. This is sick. Look at this base. Look at this one. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Okay, wait, this one. Oh my God, okay. I can't wait to hear the gavel come down <laughs> on some dumbass criminal live on the podcast. Geoff and cult member Christina from Salem, Oregon. Oh <laughs> my God. Let's see it. Let's see. <gasps> Look at the design. Look at the design. Oh, honey, that is. That's a gavel, baby. That's a gavel. Oh my God, wait. Oh, oh, love it. Classic. Classic gavel. Oh, that oh, one's she, beautiful. Oh, she's classy. Yeah, she's Hold classy. On. Adjourned, and we don't have anything else to say. Oh. We got to show you guys. Objection. Hearsay. <laughs> we got to show you. You guys, there's so many. There's 30 more gavels in my living room right now. I fucking don't know what to do. <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> We I love, love it. you guys so much. And Madison and I talked about it. And for every gavel that we have received, we will be making a donation and we'll let you guys vote. Uh, we'd like to do some sort of wrongfully convicted organization. So if you guys have any charities, please let us know because we appreciate the hell out of you. I cannot believe it. We're just in disbelief. Disbelief. This is crazy. (laughs) If you want to send us anything, I think we're good on gavels for now. But uh, uh, don't worry. If you sent us a gavel, you're getting... We're we're getting to it. it. We're going to talk about it. It may take us a couple months, but we're going to get through them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And we love you guys. (laughs) If you want to send anything, you can send it to P.O. Box 18149 Long Beach, California, 90807. Get your live tickets, guys, at obituarypodcast.com. You can follow along online at Obituary Pod on Twitter and Instagram and at Obituary Podcast on TikTok. And you can 
following on Patreon. Now for bonus behind-the-scenes content, patreon.com slash cultleader. You can write to us, obitpod at gmail.com. But that's it for this week. We'll see you next week with some more coffin spinners. Obituaries. And dumb. Ass. Criminals. Court is Bye. done. Bye. <laughs>Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Obituary early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice, only on Freebie.